Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. This weekend, we celebrate the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter, and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This story, the story of Jesus walking on water, is one of the more well-known stories of his three-year ministry on earth. Not everyone can relay all the details of how it went down, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who didn't know that the idea of walking on water has become another way of saying that someone is perfect. You hear things like, Oh yeah, that guy, he walks on water here. It's funny how in our world today, people will often reference Bible phrases and sayings with absolutely no idea that they came from the Bible. Others, like walking on water, are the lost sheep, my brother's keeper, an eye for an eye, the scapegoat, the list goes on. I suppose that in the end, it's better for people to use Bible phrases without fully understanding them than to not use them at all. But on the other hand, sometimes people will misuse or even abuse things from the Bible as well. Perhaps the most common abuse that we see is using the Lord's name in vain. If I were to make a Pareto chart of the most frequent violations of the Ten Commandments, I would bet that this would be the highest bar. I spoke with a fine gentleman recently who worked as a police officer for many years. In fact, the day I spoke to him, he was in his final week before his retirement. He told me that people in the police station often use the Lord's name in vain. And when they did, he would respond with something like, Oh, is it time to pray? Or, if Jesus were a part of this situation, it would have never gotten so messed up. He was always kind about how he said it, but he also made it clear that using the Lord's name in vain wasn't something that he could just ignore. Now, there are several wonderful insights into this passage about Jesus walking on water, but I'd like to focus my comments on the actions of Peter. Peter was a man of great faith, but he was also a man who had somewhat of a ready-fire-aim kind of a personality. He was quick to jump to the front of the line, but just as quick to realize that he didn't really comprehend what would be required of him when he got there. I admire Peter's commitment, but I sometimes shake my head at his tendency to not fully think things through before acting. When Peter heard Jesus announce himself, he reacted in typical Peter fashion and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Did he really know what he was asking for? Candidly, I wonder who in his right mind would make such a request. Just seeing Jesus miraculously walk on the water 
wasn't enough for him. No, he wanted to be a part of it. And as Peter first got out of the boat, well, he was a part of it, at least for a little while. He too was walking on water. It must have been a rather incredible experience for him. But it was short-lived. St. Matthew tells us that when he saw how strong the wind had become, he was frightened. Notice the words that Matthew uses. He says that Peter saw how strong the wind was. He must have turned his eyes away from Jesus for just a moment and seen the reality of the storm that was going on around him with the high waves, the driving rain, and the powerful winds. When he turned his eyes to the storm, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And once he lost his focus on the Lord, he began to sink. This is a common experience in my life, and I suspect that the same is true for many of you as well. I try so hard to focus on Jesus and to live my life as he calls me to live, but at some point I turn away from him and I see only the storms, and then I too start to sink. The storms that take our focus away from Jesus are many. There are financial concerns, health concerns, difficult relationships with family members who irritate us at every turn, and quite often there are problems at work. But whatever they may be, these storms cause us to lose our focus and then we start to sink. Do you think that Jesus was upset with Peter for losing focus? Of course, we don't know, but I suspect not. Jesus knew his human weaknesses, and he knew that Peter's focus was eventually going to be taken away. Do you think that Jesus is upset with you and me when we lose focus? Again, we don't know, but I suspect not. Jesus knows us, and he loves us, and he realizes that our focus can be taken away just as quickly as that of Peter. So, that's all well and good, but it's really not much of a homily. We didn't really learn anything except that we, like Peter, sometimes fail. And we all knew that before this podcast began. So, what are we to learn from this gospel passage? Let's continue on with the story. There are two key things of note that happen after Peter begins to fail. First, St. Matthew tells us that when Peter cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him. When you and I start to sink, we're not alone. Jesus is there with us. We too need to cry out, Lord, save me. This is an easy thing to say, but for many of us, it's a very hard thing to do in practice. To honestly cry out to the Lord to save me is to also admit that I failed, or at least that I can't save myself. And this is humbling. It makes us feel like a little child calling out to mother or father for help. But remember what Jesus tells us. Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Don't be afraid to be childlike with the Lord. Don't be afraid to call out to him for help. No matter how successful you are at work or how rich or powerful you may be, you are nothing compared to the one who created you. And fortunately, the one who created you loves you and is happy to help. If you want to see a great example of someone who embraced the idea of a childlike love for God, do a little reading about St. Therese of Lisieux. So, that's the first thing we can take away from today's gospel. When we're in trouble, we need to be willing to admit to the Lord that we need help. We need to humble ourselves as we reach out and open our arms to him and ask him to save us. The second thing to notice is what happened when they all got back into the boat. The storm ended. The very thing that caused Peter to lose his focus on Jesus was gone. The boat provided him safety, and when Jesus was in it, everything else was fine too. What does the boat represent? The boat represents the church, where we come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Pope Francis speaks about this in his book, The Gospel of Matthew. He says, quote, The boat is an effective image of the church, a boat that must brave the storms and sometimes seems on the point of capsizing. What saves her is not the skill and courage of her crew members, but faith, which allows her to walk amidst hardships, even in the dark. Faith gives us the certainty of Jesus' presence always beside us, of his hand that grasps us to pull us back from danger. We are all on this boat, and we feel secure here despite our limitations and weaknesses. We are safe, especially when we are ready to kneel and worship Jesus, the only Lord of our life. End quote. Over the past several years, we've seen a growth in the number of people whose faith is based on Jesus and me. It's their way of saying that they don't need a church to help them come to faith. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, I'm a person of faith, but I just don't believe in organized religion. My favorite response to this is, oh, you're going to love the Catholic Church. We are far from organized. And while there is humor in that response, there's also a little bit of truth to it. People sometimes look for perfection from the church and from its leaders, but this isn't going to happen. The church is made up of sinners who are trying to be better disciples. This includes the laity and the clergy alike. I like to say that I'm a practicing Catholic because I keep on practicing, hoping that one day I'll get it right. Do you think that the boat that the apostles were in that night was perfect? It wasn't. It had imperfections and flaws. It needed to be cleaned at times, and it probably needed repairs. But it carried them to safety. And when Jesus was present, it not only protected those inside, but it also calmed the waters around them. In order to be a person of faith, we need a community of believers around us. When Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he didn't leave us a Bible. He left us a church. The Bible came later, and it was a gift of the church. Study after study has shown that many people are not coming back to church since COVID. They're choosing to not get back into the boat. This is a problem on many levels. For those who don't come back, well, they're missing out on the support that comes from being part of a community of believers. But fast forward just a few years, and you can easily see that the children of those who don't come back will never have the benefit of knowing how good it is to be in a community of believers because they will never have experienced it. If you haven't been to church in a while, it's time to come back. UTG at Work is an apostolate that focuses on the workplace, and we're committed to making strides in this particular mission territory. But we also realize that being part of a church community is what gives people the nourishment, courage, support, and strength to live their faith at work. So what do we learn from Peter's actions in this week's gospel? First, when you're sinking, cry out to the Lord for help. Humble yourself and open your arms to a loving God who can't wait to embrace you and help you. And second, get into the boat. The boat isn't perfect, and it never will be. But if Jesus is there, you will find peace. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.